0: And uh, there are Bibles underneath you uh, if you want to grab those, uh, if you're here in person, and follow along. If you're at home, feel free to follow along. Uh, If you have your own Bible or Bible app, we're also going to project it. Um, But again, it's Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. We'll be reading it in the ESV. We'll give you a chance to find it. And if you're here in person or if you'd like to join us in this way at home as well, if you could please stand as able. Once you've found the scripture, once you're ready to read it? All right. Again, Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. All right. Well, friends, we have been going through uh, this entire semester Uh, this idea of life, life period. And, And, you know, we want our faith to inform our lives. And you can't really talk about lives without talking about change. Isn't that what we're here for? We're not just here to kind of pat ourselves on the back and be like, life is great and nothing needs to change at all, right? We all suspect and know that there are things that need changing. And so, friends, you know, this isn't just in the church, but I think everywhere... We know that we need change. Um, I used to have a teacher that would say, if you go to your high school reunion, and by the way, I think my high school reunion, uh, it would have been like my 25th high school reunion. Like, it it should have been 2020, but they postponed it, and they had it this past year. I didn't go, but if I had gone, what, what my teacher said is, if you go like to your 25th high school reunion, and someone comes up to you and says, wow, you haven't changed a bit you should be offended now actually people say that to me all the time and number one i'm like you're lying cuz i know i don't look exactly the same but uh, you're just being nice but uh, usually people are just talking about looks so i'm never like no but his point was that you're supposed to change right you're not supposed to stay the same right and yet we know that there's a tension in life with the idea of change that change can be uncomfortable right change is is something that sometimes can feel like a threat and that we have this thing within us. And we've been talking about this all year. We have this idea of, you know, we exist at, at what Paul would call the flesh level. And this is all about just survival, right? This is all about what's comfortable, right? Minimizing threats and just trying to, you know, do the bare minimum to survive. And in many ways, change then feels like a little bit of a threat, or maybe for some of us, a lot bit of a threat, you know? And and so change, it, it does require you to deviate a little bit, but we know that if we don't do that, we'll never exist at that second level that Paul is talking about, which is spirit, being led by the spirit so that you can actually be the kind of person that God wants you to be, a person that is like Jesus. That's what we mean when we say disciples of Jesus. You're an apprentice of Jesus. You're learning to be like Jesus. Or as Dallas Willard says, you're learning to live your life as if you were he, as if you were Christ and Christ was you. How would you live your life? What would you do? How would you react to things? You know, and that does require some change. Now, uh, I, I just like to look up little cute graphics to put up like I did here. And he had this guy at a fork in the road. And I noticed something that when I looked up uh, Google images of change, so many of them had like road imagery. And if you think about it, like even just like the way that people talk about change, like, like you know that, that, is it, I think it's Robert Frost, like the, pet, the, the road not taken or something like that the road not taken. We talk about a fork in the road. We talk about making a change in life, like, you know, maybe you need to make a U-turn, right? We have all this road imagery, and it's so fitting because there's road imagery in the scripture that we just read, right? And and this is talking about, from the very beginning, what is the good news that Jesus is bringing us? And the good news is the entire Uh, Well, yeah, like all four books, right? All four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But this is in particular uh, the Gospel according to Mark. And what you see here, it says the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So I want to emphasize that. This is the beginning. And what we're going to be talking about here today is that change does not come all at once. We already said change can be uncomfortable. But, you know, you can't change overnight. I, I mean, I know this, you know this, because you probably tried just like me to change something overnight, and it doesn't always work that way. You know, you, you want to be like, oh, I'm going to be more loving. I'm, I'm going to be like, like so chill about things. I'm not going to get overly dramatic. But if you spent your whole life being overly dramatic, right, the next day when something happens, when a trigger happens, right, when, when a, a major stressor comes up, it is in your body It is in your mind. You are going to react the way you always did, not because you don't want to, but because change doesn't work just on the level of the will, right? There's more involved in that. And so there's a process. And so here we see in this process, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ doesn't even start with Jesus. It starts with a messenger that was sent beforehand. This guy, John the Baptist. And so it says, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. And so here's the road imagery, right? That there is paths that are crooked or there are paths that... um and the other gospels, it, it kind of elaborates on that passage from Isaiah, where um, it talks about like that the hills and the mountains need to be leveled, the valleys need to be filled in. You got all these obstacles in the road, and we're told that this is talking about John. He appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. All right? Stage one, step one, the beginning. Is the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And so, friends, I just want to point out that road imagery, right? And just you know, so you know, um, I think I showed this picture a couple months ago when I was talking about, I think it was like the parable of the sower and the seed, and we're talking about roads. And roads in that time would not look like our roads, right? They wouldn't be, like, beautiful, just perfectly, like, black and paved and smooth, right? They would have looked more like this, just rough-hewn, Right. There would have been obstacles. And so when you tell someone, uh, you know, that the Messiah is coming and that we have to prepare the way and and, and we have to make those paths straight. Like, don't picture your local road. Right. The, the road right out there is nice, straight, symmetrical with lines. Right. Picture this. Right. <laughs> jacked up looking just dusty rocks everywhere right just lots of pockmarks in the road and so this is what we're talking about and friends I gotta tell you this feels more like life to me doesn't it feel like life to you life is not always smooth and that's one of the first things that we have to recognize and so we're going to talk about real quick some of these are going to go super quick so don't worry Uh, if it seems like a lot. But we're going to talk about seven stages of life change. And the first one is recognizing that you need change in the first place. The word that we use, and I I understand it's a loaded term uh, nowadays, but you need to recognize that you are a sinner. And maybe when we're reading that prayer of repentance and we're talking about being a sinner, maybe some of you, if you're unfamiliar with the church, that language just is a little triggering to you. You're like, sinner? Like, I mean... Have you ever, like, not jokingly, just called someone a sinner? Like, just, I don't know. You just, you know, someone in your family, you're like, you're a sinner. <laughs> or you see someone, you're checking out the groceries, and they're going too slow. Sinner. Like, dude, you might get in a fight, right? You, you, you might, like, like something's going to happen, right? Or you're going to end up on social media somewhere, right? You just call someone a sinner. That's, that's harsh, right? But in the Bible, what sin is, it's an archery term. It's called harmatia. And it's the idea that you're missing the mark, right? You're missing the mark of where God wants you to be, right? Of where you should ideally be. It's a way of saying you're not perfect. And none of us are, right? So one of the most important truths in life is that we're all sinners. I mean, I hope it doesn't come as a big shock that the pastor who's speaking to you right now is a sinner. That's me, why am I talking about myself in third person? <laughs> I'm a sinner. Maybe you're like, yeah, that is a sin. Don't talk in third person. That's obnoxious. You know, but friends, uh, it, it is this idea that we don't measure up all the time. And you've got to recognize that. Otherwise, why would you even want to change, right? And, and so you, there's some people who operate on that level. It's a level of delusion. I hope you don't mind me saying that. We live in this delusion where we're like, no, 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 I'm good. I don't need anything. I don't need change. Jesus, get up out of my grill. Don't tell me to change. Don't call me a sinner. No, right? And we want to believe that. But it is really important that we recognize that we're not. And what you're going to see is I want to read for you the account in Luke about John the Baptist uh, just encountering crowds. So in this Mark account, we just see uh, John the Baptist is baptizing people. But in Luke, you hear them. He, you hear him talk to the people, and what he says is kind of harsh, right? If you thought me just saying the word sinner, like just like sinner, I mean, seriously, you can say it like the nicest way. It sounds harsh. But John was not being super nice. Let's take a look at uh, this is Luke chapter three, verse seven through fourteen. He said, "Therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers! Again, you ever call someone a viper?" <laughs> You're a snake. Who warns you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. I gotta tell you, I don't like preaching on this verse, right? I mean, we're a living grace ministry, right? We're talking about grace, Second chances, the love of God, you're a child of God. You even heard my intro, right, where I always say something to the fact of, you know, you're all welcome here. No matter where you came from in life, right, God's grace is available to you. And I know some people tell me, they're like, Pastor Steve, I love when you say that every Sunday. This makes you feel good. And yeah, that's great. John the Baptist didn't greet people that way. <laughs> it's like, you brood of vipers who told you to flee from the wrath to come. There's a wrath there's a vengeance, there's a reckoning coming, and you got to change, you got to change, you can't just, you know, fall back on your lineage, you can't just say, I'm, I'm a good Jew, you know, I'm a good Jewish person, I come from this lineage of Abraham, right, and he's like, it doesn't make you special, God can raise up stones and say, this is a child of Abraham, Right? Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Friends, I know there's some people that you know, maybe are like, yeah, Pastor Steve, why don't you preach like this more? Remember, this is the beginning, okay? This is the beginning. You have to start with the fact that you're not perfect, that we need change. Don't worry the grace is coming it's definitely coming right but some of us we just like to skip to the end right we just like to skip to the end and be like yeah yeah i'm a child of god this is actually the difference between christianity and just i mean i'm gonna just call it like kind of contemporary i'm just gonna use the word liberal is that okay liberal culture where it's just like oh yeah yeah you guys are all beautiful you're all loved right everyone is perfect right we start there But in the Bible, we don't start there. We start with the fact that we're sinners. We start with the fact that things aren't perfect. And in some ways, I think it's a little disingenuous to skip to the end and say, yeah, 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 you're all perfect exactly as you are. You don't need to change a thing. Do you really mean that, that we don't need to change a thing? Because I know myself, and I know there's plenty that I should be changing, right? If you look at the way people naturally act, And you really are gonna say nobody needs to change? Really? (laughs) What if someone's going around murdering someone? Are we gonna be like, yeah, you're perfect exactly as you are? Right? Of course, nobody really believes that. Right? But that's one of the things that we do in this society. We take certain truths and certain things that we like and that just make us feel good. I mean, really, what that is about is just trying to make you feel better. Right? It's just this kind of like dose of um, like therapy, therapeutic. Uh, A kind of religion and spirituality where it's like, yeah, 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 God loves you all, you're children of God, and that's definitely true, but there's a few steps (laughs) that we gotta take, and we have to understand that in our natural state, we're sinners. And so, John is the first step, and John tells them, yo, you gotta change, right, that's what repentance means. It means turning, and notice what he says, you need to Bear fruit, verse 8, bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And so what he's saying is that, so repentance, it means to change. Literally, in the Greek, it means metanoia, or, or that's the Greek phrase. It means to change your mind. And so to recognize that something is not the way it should be and change The way that you think, and and the way that this was described to me in seminary, it's like the orientation of your life, if you're appointed in this direction, that you would change, you would change directions, right, and head in a different direction, right? This is repentance, but notice, in repentance, you may change, but you're still in the same spot, right? You might be like, yeah, I should stop, I mean, I'm just going to use this example because I used it before, but I don't think anyone here is doing this, hopefully not, I should stop murdering people, right? And then you turn, right? But it's not enough to just change your mind and be like, yeah, I shouldn't murder people. Now you need to walk in that repentance. Now you need to actually stop murdering people and be nicer to people, right? You need to bear fruit in keeping with that repentance. There needs to be some change that happens in your life. And there is this idea that if the tree is not bearing good fruit, it's gonna get cut down. There's going to be a reckoning. Friends, I I can't ignore this. As a preacher of the gospel, I, I can't just, I wish I could just give you all the good stuff. Right? But there is this idea that we are supposed to change and we aren't supposed to stay here. Right? And so the second thing then is to receive that, right, and having the desire to change. So recognizing you are a sinner. And so you might recognize it, by the way, and not realize that you need to change. And so, you know, maybe there's some people who are like, yeah, I'm totally a sinner. And they have no problem with it, you know? And, and, and so there does need to be this conviction that not only am I a sinner, and I, I know that, but I know that's not ideal. I know that's not good for me, right? And so the desire to change is important. And you see that here. John preaches this. And by the way, this is a pretty fiery message, right? You could really just... You know, tick some people off, right? And, and there have been cases where prophets would come and they would tell people they're sinners and then, then the people would kill the prophets or arrest them. And eventually John does get arrested and murdered. He gets executed by Herod because John does the same shtick to Herod, right, who's a king. And he tells Herod, you're a sinner. And Herod well, he gets in prison and he ends up getting killed, right? But the people initially, they actually received that word. So, here in, in this is uh, still Luke chapter 3, verse 10, the crowds asked him, What then shall we do? So they're convicted. They're like, Oh, we need to change. And so they actually asked John, Tell us what to do. And he answered them, Whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none, and whoever has food is to do likewise tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, collect no more than you are authorized to do. Tax collectors were notorious for taking more money than they were supposed to, for being corrupt. And soldiers asked him, and what shall we do? And he said to them, and friends, this might just ring different. Like if you don't think of this as soldiers, but you think like police officers, right? It says, do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation, be content with your wages. Don't abuse people, right? Don't abuse your power. And so here you see, for, for um, John, he's talking about issues of justice. He's talking about how we really should treat one another, right? And so the people, they're ready for that change, right? And the third step, friends, I, I just want to point out, there's seven steps, okay? There's more steps coming. Third step is where many of us, I, I, I don't know for sure, but I think many, many people, maybe even most people in the church stop at step three. It's trying to change on your own, right? Like, like so what do you do with that? This is like the typical, <laughs> at least for me when I was growing up in Sunday school, they're like, don't hit your friend, stop it, you know? God wants you to love your brother, your sister, so stop hitting them and be nice to them. And friends, I, I got to tell you, we don't stop at stage, step three. Why? Why don't we stop at step three? Because by the way, friends, did you notice what kind of baptism this was? It was a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So let me ask a question. If John is baptizing people, and and so this is what baptism is, by the way. It means to immerse someone in water, or really, it means to dunk. (laughs) So John the Baptist is John the dunker, right? He's dunking people in the water. And the symbolism is you go into the water with all of your sin, and you're getting cleansed, and you come out a different person. Now you've got to walk in that repentance. You're a new kind of person. Friends, this is Mark chapter one. This is where most people get off with Christianity. They're like, yeah, you're forgiven, right? You're a sinner, you're forgiven, stop sinning. That's it. Why do we need Jesus, right? Seriously, think about it. Why do you need Jesus if you could do this on your own? Because you're gonna see something here, right? You're gonna see that basically we are told that it does not stop at John. There is going to be another person who comes, right? And friends, uh, just to show you real quick, what, so you know, John is going there, he's baptizing lots of people. He's doing all this stuff, but he made it very clear. He said, after me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So friends, the baptism with water, just to cleanse you and say, yeah, you're good. You're, 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 like, like you're forgiven for those sins you committed back then. Now stop sinning. That's John's message, right? You're cleansed, now stop doing bad stuff. And that's what most people hear in the church, right? But friends, why doesn't it stop there? Because seriously, you got to do it. These are steps that are important. You know, and I think in many ways we do need to try to not sin on our own so that you can see something very important. You're going to see that you can't do it, not on your own. You're going to try. And so (laughs) you're going to fail at trying to change our own lives, your own life. And then I put four B's despair. You got to get to this place where you realize that you cannot be your own savior, no matter how hard you try. I mean, have you tried, friends? Maybe some of you, you're still stuck in stage four, and you're beating yourself up because you feel like you should be able to do it, right? And friends, like, seriously, this is so much of what we've heard in the church, and so much of what I've heard, is like, love other people, Right? And by the way, again, if we just want to talk about the way society is, so many people are here, right? Like, we're like, okay, be just, be kind. How many times have you seen, like, 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 people have, like, those buttons and stickers now? They say, choose kindness, right? Have you ever looked at that button or sticker or that t-shirt and been like, I never thought of that. Thank you. Now I'm going to be such a good person. It doesn't work that way. Why not? Why not? So I saw this, um, my dad has been in the hospital, and, and I've shared this with some of you guys. He had a brain bleed, he's recovering, it's, it's, it's really good. But when, when you would go to the hospital, I would see choose kindness everywhere at the hospital. And there would even be like this big uh, uh, like, like notice, and, and it's like in boldface, all capitals. It's like we will not tolerate any aggressive behavior against any staff. You know, we, like, please do not cuss out our employees. They said it a little more eloquently, but that's really what they're saying, right? Don't be a big meanie head, right? Choose kindness. Friends, why? Why, why, why do you need that in a hospital? This is so freaking stressful, isn't it? Right? I mean, you know, like, like, there was a time when I was in the hospital, and it was literally like, today might be the day that my dad dies, so stressful, right? And then the nurse comes and they're trying to draw your dad's blood or something and they mess up. You're going to choose kindness in that moment or in your stress, you might yell at somebody, right? You might be impatient. There are these things that happen because we live in a jacked up world. Yes, we're sinful, broken people, but we live in a sinful, broken world, right? It's not always easy to be a certain way, right? Sometimes, yeah, when all the stars are aligned, the sun is shining, you don't have a single assignment due. You got the internship of your choice, right? All your friends love you. You have the partner of your dreams. You have everything going and lined up, and today you're like, I'll choose kindness. (laughs) Maybe, maybe, but how often does that happen, friends? How often do we try and fail and maybe some of y'all, you're gonna be on your way to a test, you're gonna be so stressed out, and someone's gonna bump into you. You'll be like, watch it! Choose kindness, choose kindness. It's not gonna help in that moment. We don't live in a perfect world. We are gonna fail, friends. Right? And so Jesus knows that. Right? Jesus knows that some of the stuff, it is because we live in a world of fear. Right? I mean, just going back to the hospital example, you know, you think that anything can go wrong at any moment, and your nervous system is going haywire. Just many of us, we do not operate at our best. We've been talking this whole year about how we actually change. And one of the things you have to change is your environment. you got to change your environment. We live in a place of fear, but God wants you to live in a kingdom of love a kingdom of peace, a kingdom where he is reigning and he wants that to be inside of you, in your nervous system, in your mind, in your heart. And we can start operating differently. That doesn't happen just by trying harder, right? It doesn't doesn't happen just by choosing kindness, right? And so we need something else. So we need to accept the fact that you cannot change yourself for while you were still weak, at that right time, Jesus Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for, for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would, even, would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we need to accept the fact that we cannot save ourselves. We, we are weak, as it says. While we were weak, Jesus intervenes to die for us. Right? And it is something that we need to accept. And so that brings us to the next step. We need to surrender to the life of Christ. Truly, truly, I say to you, it says in John 12, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. We need to surrender. The imagery here in baptism, um, that, that uh, Richard Rohr calls it a drowning ceremony. Right? <laughs> You're going into the water, and you're being submerged, and you die. You die. And you come out as a different person. But by the way, friends, do you come out as a different person? Yeah, because, you know, in our Christian symbolism, we can't actually drown people, right? I mean, we shouldn't do that. (laughs) That would be bad. But friends, this is the baptism of John the Baptist. Did you notice that's not what Jesus says. Did you notice that Jesus' baptism is a little bit different, right? So just, just wanna uh, point out for you again. So this is verse eight. It says, I, so John, John the Baptist is talking. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, right? It's not just baptism where you go in and you change and then you come out and then that's it, right? But you are baptized with the Holy Spirit, In in, uh, Hebrew, the word for spirit is breath, it's air, it's all around you, right? And so what Jesus has come to do is come to completely immerse you in the Holy Spirit. So friends, the seventh step, the last step is um, to become completely immersed, baptized into the life of Christ. So friends, um, I, I want to point out this, that there's this, um, Dallas Willard was talking about uh, the Great Commission, and he was talking about how it says, you know, Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything that I have taught you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And this is what we do, as in the church, we just make it a ritual. So we're like, okay, we'll take a kid who doesn't know Jesus or, you know, they're new to the church, and we just take water and we go, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I'm a pastor, guys. This is what I do. It's one of the things I've been trained to do. It's one of the things that, like, only an ordained pastor can do this. Man, it's like one of my main things, you know? And I got to tell you, I don't think that's exactly what Jesus was talking about. It's, it's, it's good as far as it goes. I mean, I think you should do it. It's a good symbol, right? But what is he really talking about? The word baptized, like we said, it's to immerse, right? Submerge, right? Think about a person going into the water and they're just completely covered, right? I, I think I have a picture of this, um, right? Just somebody just completely immersed. And this is what Jesus is talking about. So Dallas Willard explains this. He says, here is what Jesus is saying. I have been given say over everything in heaven and on earth. As you go, make disciples. Immerse them together in the presence of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yes, baptize them in the name, but dear friends, that doesn't mean just getting them wet while you say those names. It means to immerse them in reality. After you have done that, teach them in a way that they actually do what Jesus said. That is the process of spiritual formation. So you see the very important step that the world is missing, that many of us in the church is missing, is what we do is we skip this step. We're like, yeah, Jesus died for you, all that, you're a sinner, right? Now go and change and go and be better. And by the way, now a lot of churches are even skipping that step. They're like, well, we know that's not realistic. That just seems like works righteousness. Right? Like that just seems very Old Testament. So let's just skip that and let's just be forgiven. Let's just come and just every week just sing about how wonderful Jesus is and just over and over. We're terrible sinners, but we just keep getting forgiven and forgiven and forgiven and forgiven, but we never actually change. Right? But what Jesus is saying, is that I want you to be completely immersed in my life, in the Father, in the Son, in the Holy Spirit, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's just covering you. You're immersed in it. And if you are immersed in it, then you're going to be able to do what I actually say. Right? It's not just, hey, try harder, or you know what? I'm going to make you feel bad because you're not good enough. But you're going to know fully who you are, because you're going to be immersed in the reality that you're a child of God, that God is everywhere, that God loves you, right? Another way that we talk about immersion, it's like learning a language. When I went to Korea, this is what they would say. They're like, if you really want to learn language, right, you need to be completely immersed in the culture, right? It's not just like, say, sí, 안녕하세요, right? Like, okay. This is the way we teach, uh, you know, language in in a place that's not the country. Like, say this word and you're like, you know, you know, miguk I that means I'm a American. Um, you just learn these phrases, right? But you really wanna learn the language. You gotta immerse yourself, right? You go into the culture. And it's just everywhere. Everyone speaking the language around you. The culture is one that was formed by this language. Things start making sense to you culturally. The way that people speak is reflected in the way that they live. It's everywhere. It's, you're just walking by, and there's just billboards, and they just happen to have you know that language spoken on that billboard or written on that billboard. And you just start to absorb it, just kind of through the process of, of osmosis. It becomes a part of you, this is what spiritual change is supposed to look like, right? This is why you cannot be a Christian on your own. You gotta be in a community. We are a community of Christ. We are a kingdom, we're supposed to be just a little slice of the kingdom of God. When you come here, you're supposed to be immersed into the life of Christ. The way we treat people here is supposed to be different right? The way that we operate here should be different. We're not perfect, friends. Don't get me wrong, but this is the goal, right? More and more, you're immersed into Jesus. One of the things I tell people, if you can't read scripture, this is like too hard for you or just that's not your habit, and it just seems like the most like, unattractive thing to do, listen to scripture, it, like, like, seriously, if you go to your Bible app, your Bible app has a free audio Bible. I bought a Bible app a while ago. I paid 15 bucks for it. It's wonderful. It's great. You know what audio Bible that is? The same one they're giving away for free. I was so mad. I was like, what? You're giving it away for free But I'm like, no, 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 that's good that other people get, right? Other people get the Bible. It's good. You know, but you literally can have the same Bible that I bought. You can have it for free. It's on your phone. You can listen to the Bible whenever you want, when you're, when, you're, when you're just driving to work, right? Instead of like, oh, I need to love people more, I need to be good, I need to think about Jesus, just, just immerse yourself, right? Just, just let someone else speak the words to you. By the way, in biblical times, they didn't have physical Bibles. Nobody had physical Bibles. No one had a Bible app, right, you know what they would do is they would meditate on the Scripture. They would mutter the Scripture to them all day long. They'd memorize it, and they would just keep saying it again and again and again, right? You know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you, right? And they would just keep saying these things again and 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 again. It just was the air they breathed. Right? They're just immersed in it. And if you're in that kind of environment, it'll start to change you. It'll start to change your nervous system. Right? And then when Jesus says, go and love another person, you won't be like, oh, that's so hard. I don't know how to do that. How do I do that? You're going to be like, yeah, makes sense. <laughs> you're going to be able to do it. It's the air you breathe. Right? The spirit, it's just been around you. Another thing I tell people, maybe you, even listening to scripture, it's boring or whatever, then listen to praise songs. Just listen to praise songs. Pay attention to the words if you're freaking out. I mean, I used to do this when I was having panic attacks. Man, it was hard for me to read scripture. It was hard for me to pray. Sometimes I would just listen to a praise song and I would just would hear these words being sung over me. Right? That Christ is my living hope that even the grave can overcome that. Because, yeah, I could believe that here, but I need it everywhere. I need to be immersed in that reality. Friends, we've got to find ways to do that, right? Fall in love with Jesus, but to want to be around Jesus, want to be immersed in his life and in his spirit. And, friends, um, yeah, I just want to close with, with this, right? Um, Praise team, if you guys want to come up. I know it's going to be hard when you guys are in finals, you know, but even if there are moments, moments like, like I, when we say we want to be immersed in the spirit of Christ and the reality of God, yeah, that's supposed to be everything, right? But again, it's steps, right? It's stages. We, we need to, you know, walk before we run kind of thing. And so maybe if there's just quiet moments where you know in between when you're studying or on your way to class and you're just so tempted to kind of just freak out you know just worry oh my gosh oh my gosh what am I going to do what am I going to do and our brain has this weird way where we just keep looping the same thought over and over it's just not helpful like we don't get anywhere instead of that you know maybe you just keep repeating the lord is my shepherd I shall not want the lord is my shepherd I shall not want the lord is my shepherd I shall not want or maybe you just Listen to like one of the songs that we've been singing today. You know, you just just want to hear that again and again and again. You are the God of the broken, the friend of the weak. You are the God of the broken, the friend of the weak. That you have given your life for me. And we just live in that reality. Priest, you, you guys can start giving us little mood music, but can, can we just kind of pray? Just in this moment, you know, maybe some of y'all are still kind of freaking out because you're carrying over the stress of life. Maybe, friends, if you could with me, just take a deep breath, you know, and it, it doesn't even need to be a deep breath. Just take a breath. Just hold it for a second. And then just breathe it out. Let's do that again. Just in through your nose. Just take a breath. Hold it it out. Just hear these words being spoken over you. You are a child of God. God loves you. God is pleased with you. He is proud of you. You don't need to do a single thing to impress him. He sent his son, Jesus, to die for you that you can also be his child. We are sinners. We are broken. And yet, we are loved and we are forgiven. We can accept that forgiveness and we can accept the fact that we cannot change our lives on our own. But the grace that comes from Jesus, the same grace that forgives you, we can bathe in it, we can wash in it, we can be immersed in it and it will change you from the inside out. Precious God, we thank you, Lord, for this truth. As many of us, we've been somewhere on this spectrum of just wanting to live in denial, thinking that we're just completely fine. Or maybe being in this place where we're so frustrated by our faults and our sins. Or maybe being in this place where we're trying really, really hard to do it on our own, but we're trying to be our own saviors, God. And we need you. We just need you to come and fill us up. We need your Holy Spirit to fill up just every, just empty cre- crevice within us. Just fill Fill us with your grace that we can be infused with the life of Jesus Christ. We thank you, God. We pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen.